More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Going Green. We have an awesome guest joining us today, Janice Lynn, the founder and CEO of Stratagen. And above that, she's doing amazing things in the clean tech space. Um, so let's just kick things off. Janice, first, first and foremost, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dylan. It's great to be here with you today. So you have a, a really long, amazing career in this space. So let's kind of dive right into it. For those of our listeners and viewers who don't know, um, Tell us a little, a little bit about Stratagen and what you're working on there. Sure. So Stratagen is a professional services firm. We're headquartered in Northern California, and our mission is to decarbonize energy systems and transform the world. Our footprints throughout North America, we have a subsidiary in Australia, and uh, we're doing some work in, in South America now with the International Finance Corporation. Very cool. So that's, that's a lot to take in. So what's, um, what's the why behind, you know, why you work in this space and why you started the company? Yeah, and I'll explain a little bit more about um, what we do. So my, my history is I started out first as a strategy consultant, then I moved into high tech in the boom of the dot-com bubble. And it was in the late 90s, I just had this epiphany moment that here I was spending so much time and energy working on software that would help people shop online. And I just had this moment, like, wow, I don't even like shopping. Like, what am I doing? Someday, I need to, I need to make a change here. I need to do something with the bulk of my time, which is my career, that I, I will someday be proud of. I can talk to my kids and say, hey, you know, mom, did a good thing in the world. And so I said, look, it's either got to be renewable energy or garbage recycling. Mm -hmm. And as luck would have it, I found a job in renewable energy. I found a, a, a potential opening in uh, recycling, but the renewable energy company took me in and I haven't looked back and it was the best decision ever made. There's uh, a love with it. Yeah, that's amazing. I know there's a famous quote, I'll probably butcher it, but it's like in this day and age, we have the smartest people in the planet working on getting people to buy stuff online. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, it's admirable. And I mean, my background's television production. So it's similar, you know, we, I wasn't developing the software, but I, we were creating the content that people see. And it was like, let's, if we're going to create content, that's going to, you know, people are going to watch, let's at least create something that inspires them or educates them and pushes people in the right direction. Um, so I think it's really admirable that you kind of took that change because it's, it's a, you have, really have to take the steps to make that change. You know, it's easy to kind of coast along and continue in that mm -hmm. space, but to kind of put a pause on everything and switch, it takes a lot of work and energy. Um, so since you've been in the space, what sort of trends and changes have you seen along the way with your clients that you're working it with and how's the company evolved along the way? So I'd say at a top level, when I first got into the renewable energy space, all my high tech friends tried to tuck me out of it. They're like, what are you doing? That's not an industry. It's a bunch of tree huggers. So, and, and at the time, you know, this was in 2000 and 
1999, you know, it was, it was early. I mean, solar was really expensive. It was six, seven bucks a watt. And so the biggest thing that's changed from then to now is renewable energy is now the lowest cost source of energy at the margin on the planet. The, the, the kilowatt hours are cheaper than the molecules. Um, careers in clean energy have gone from crunchy granola, what are you doing, to hot item, which is good because we need to attract many more smart people. And <clears throat> the idea of clean energy is now expanding so far beyond electricity. In the beginning, we're like, oh, wind, solar, that's a good idea. It's very fringy. Now there's like gobs of it getting developed all over the planet. Now we're electrifying transportation. We're electrifying buildings. Uh, we're finding ways to use super low cost wind and solar to electrify the molecules and displace fossil fuels. That's exciting. And that's going to happen in this lifetime. We will have all renewable air travel. I mean, like decarbonization that we never even dreamed was possible five years ago now has a roadmap and it's line of sight. And once you can do that and rely more on local abundant renewables, it creates jobs. It's an economic development opportunity. It's an export opportunity. And it's another reason to, you know, kind of reduce our spending in fighting over fossil fuels, which tend to be located in certain parts of the world that are a little dangerous. So yeah, you touched on something really, really cool. And I actually just was talking to another uh, man who runs a solar company. He's been in the space and he said, you know, when I first started, solar technology was a luxury. The only people who could afford it were the people who were passionate about, you know, saving the environment, very, you know, tree hugger-esque. Now, his company specializes in working with nonprofits. And basically he said the reason for this is because the cost has gone down so much that even 10 years ago, a nonprofit couldn't dream of getting solar. Now, you know, nonprofits are getting mm -hmm. solar left and right. It's really, it's really fascinating to see. So it's cool to um, see that it's becoming more of a mainstream thing and it's really important. And I know you do a lot of work in hydrogen as well. Is that correct? Yes. So a year ago, so over the years, so let me just explain what we do at Stratagen. Our folks, we're a mission-driven company and our focus is in changing the markets themselves so that there's a level playing field and new entrants, new technologies, cleaner technologies can compete on a level playing field with the incumbents. Those incumbents often are very well entrenched and the system is kind of set up to just buy that. So we spend a lot of time thinking through how to redesign markets, how to help new technologies enter markets. And, uh, and uh, we've done a lot of work in energy storage uh, and now vehicle grid integration and hydrogen. Um, so you asked about hydrogen and the reason I got into hydrogen is, um, so for 10 years, I was the executive director of the California Energy Storage Alliance. It was the first organized advocacy group to represent storage in the power sector as a new asset class. And we had a lot of success there. And in 2016, and so now storage is being developed all over the world because it's the ticket to very high penetration of really low cost wind and solar. In 2016, um, for California, we started asking the question, what kind of storage are we going to need when there is so much wind? What, what if, what if we get to a point where it's 
wind and solar, what kind of storage will we need? And so we did some analysis and I um, quickly realized after looking at the results, we shot a lot of the results of this analysis, oh, we're going to need multi-day and seasonal storage. And so in 2016, I started looking around, what are the alternatives? And very quickly realized that since the last time I checked on hydrogen, it had come a really long way. The biggest difference is there are many ways to make hydrogen commercially today, green hydrogen, and uh, particularly electrolysis, making hydrogen by splitting water using electricity and renewable electricity, very viable. Technology exists and with wind and solar being as cheap as it is, it's uh, very logical. And so that's, and then, okay, so I'm like, oh, wow, well, we can actually store renewable energy in this little tiny molecule and solve our multi-day and seasonal storage problem. Wow, it looks a lot like a fuel. Um, then I learned, wow, you can not only convert the hydrogen back to electricity with a fuel cell, you can combust it in an existing gas turbine, therefore use existing infrastructure. You can use it as a fuel and fuel cell vehicles, everything from cars, trucks, you can use it as a fuel for shipping. You can use it instead of coking coal and making steel. You can use it instead of hydrogen made from natural gas to make fertilizer. And you can use it as a fuel for aviation. So I was like, wow, green hydrogen, this is a super game changer because this is the thing that allows us to decarbonize sectors we never thought possible. That's fascinating. So I'm gonna ask this and I'm gonna frame it for like it's for the audience, but really it's for me because I don't know and I want to learn. Um, and real quick, like without diving too deep into it, you know, because I don't have that deep of an understanding, but how does hydrogen help with the storage side of things? And then how does it, how does it, how is it used as a fuel? And then why is that more environmentally friendly than other fuel sources? Definitely. That, that's a good question. And um, first of all, I want you to know, uh, we started a nonprofit called the Green Hydrogen Coalition. It's an educational nonprofit, ghcoalition.org. We have a 50-page guide that goes into a lot of detail on all those questions you ask. You can download it for free on the awesome. website. Um, but briefly to answer, so the definition of storage is you're taking energy that is produced in one time period you're storing it, like say in a battery, for a period of time, or however long, it could be for a couple seconds, could be for hours, days, weeks, or months. And then you're taking that stored energy and then you're turning it back to electricity. So this is, this is electricity storage. The battery application is very clear. A stationary batteries, a battery on an electric vehicle, instead of coming back to the grid, the, the electricity on the vehicle goes to motive power. So hydrogen is a great storage medium because you can take wind and solar that's produced in vast quantities during one time period that you can't use because sometimes electricity demand is not well matched to when the wind's blowing or the sun's shining. Using that electricity through an electrolyzer, you can split water. Water is just hydrogen and oxygen. So you produce a lot of oxygen and you produce a lot of hydrogen molecules. This little hydrogen molecule can then be stored in a tank. It can be stored underground in caverns. And this is all commercially done today. It's nothing new. It's just the hydrogen we store today is made from fossil fuels. It's made from natural gas and oil <laughs> or coal. Um, so now we can be making it from renewable electricity, storing it in a pipeline, a container, or underground, and then using it at a later time. 
hours later, days later, months later, and you can bring it back to electricity either by, um, it's, it's the primary fuel of a fuel cell, mm-hmm. right? So you can, a fuel cell can produce electricity and goes back into the grid or into a vehicle, or you can take that hydrogen molecule and, uh, and combust it, just like we combust natural gas. Mm-hmm. So you can use an existing gas turbine and you could blend it. So you can take natural gas and inject hydrogen. So now you have a fuel that's partially fully decarbonized. You're still having some methane. By 2025, there are several manufacturers that have said that they will be producing um, combustion turbines that can burn 100% hydrogen. So that's the pathway for taking all of this existing existing plant and equipment, which is incredibly valuable, but not clean, and transforming it to an entirely carbon-free, dispatchable energy, renewable energy resource. Wow. Thank you for that education. Honestly, you just took like hundreds of years and thousands of really smart people and explained it in a couple minutes and really honestly helped me understand. And I'm sure a lot of people too. And now, you know, you see hydrogen in the news all the time. And I definitely think I'll have a better understanding of what that means, you know, and hopefully the viewers and listeners will as well. Um, that's super cool. So where do you kind of see, you know, both you, the company, and really the industry as a whole going in the future? So, um, so we see a very bright future for clean energy and uh, not just because it's the right thing to do for the environment, but it's also the right thing to do economically. It is lower cost. It's going to require market reform. And one of the challenges for, high-tech clean solutions is the system wasn't designed to necessarily compensate projects for all the benefits they provide. So through the associations we've started, we started and operate the California Energy Storage Alliance. We started and operate the Vehicle Grid Integration Council. We started and operate the Green Hydrogen Coalition. We're building momentum through these organized activities where we bring the ecosystem together work with policymakers to create the market design that works. You need a sustainable business model. Um, We need to establish pricing mechanisms and a pathway so that innovative new clean technologies can achieve a bankable value proposition so they can attract private capital. And this is already happening um, in many, many places around the world for energy storage. Um, We're working on Electric vehicles, so electric vehicles already have a great value proposition. I'm an EV driver. Once you drive an EV, it's hard to go back. Mm-hmm. It's just like a nice experience as a consumer. But what most consumers don't realize is their EV has tremendous value to the grid. Um, and how you charge it, when you charge it, there is the potential for EVs to provide services back to the grid. It's really valuable. So we're trying to... Um, Uh, create mechanisms so that value can be captured and maybe someday monetized by consumers. And then lastly, with green hydrogen, we're working to build momentum. There's a lot of progress happening all over the world. Um, One of my co-founders and board members is developing very large projects in Europe. His name is Thierry Leperc. And so we're bringing best practices from around the world, partnering um, with state and local government here in North America to drive momentum and focus on 
achieving very large green hydrogen projects at scale. Because unlike wind and solar, maybe 20 years ago, this technology is already commercial. It's very mature. As a society, we have produced, stored, transported, used hydrogen for decades. I mean, it's a really mature, all the safety standards exist. It's just made from fossil fuels. Yeah. And now we have the opportunity to displace all of that with hydrogen made from renewable sources and take it applications that it's never been used before, like the power sector for storage, like aviation, shipping, and other industrial processes. So the future is very bright. I think there's an opportunity for economic development, for new export opportunities, and especially a clear pathway for converting the infrastructure and skilled jobs we have that work on brown power and fossil fuels and to convert that whole enterprise to a cleaner future. That's awesome. And that gives me honestly a lot of hope. Like I talk to some people and they're like, we're doomed, we're screwed. And I'm like, oh, existential <laughs> crisis. Then I talk to other people like you and it's like, okay, cool. You know, obviously it's a massive challenge. There's billions, trillions of dollars at stake, but you know, it's, it's good to hear that one, a lot of this technology already exists and it's just, you know, building the infrastructure around it for using it with clean technology. And, and also I love hearing, you know, new jobs are being created. Um, and also sort of the, in my experience, you know, more people are kind of open and willing to spend their money on, you know, electric vehicles and because they do care about it. And, and last, regardless of whether or not they care about it, if it saves them money, you know, it's less about, you know, the 20 years ago tree hugger thing. And it's more like, cool, regardless of how I feel about it, if it's going to save me money, then I'll, I'll do that. So it's kind of this all encompassing big thing moving in the right direction. So that does make me feel a little bit better about everything. Um, and I love hearing, you know, when entrepreneurs like you are working with, you know, the government to kind of work together to, to create this happen, make this happen, because I, I think that's really important. You know, it's not one, it's not the other, it's everyone sort of working together. Um, so that's cool. I, it does make me feel better. Hopefully it makes, you know, some people out there feel better too. Um, what in your opinion is kind of like the next biggest challenge we're going to face as a society when it comes to all of this coming together and you know what are some maybe solutions that we can kind of keep an eye on and and support and work towards so you know um when you think about the future and the opportunity before us and what our biggest challenges are um at the end of the day it's not really technology. It's not even really policy. At the end of the day, our greatest challenge is, is one of alignment, and it's a people problem. It's uh, how do we see eye to eye and work together collaboratively because the clock's ticking. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a climate scientist to look out the window and realize, like, the effects of climate change are no longer theoretical. They're happening now in a very impactful way. And so how do we go faster? And this is what, this is a challenge of all of us working together and <clears throat> finding ways to make progress faster. So, um, and, and, you know, when I think of the problem in, in that regard, actually I get a lot of hope because 
um, you know, the, the, the potential for change is in each and every one of us. Anybody, I mean, anybody can be a champion. We work with senators and regulators and all these famous people and, you know, famous tech inventors. But um, I can also tell you stories of folks who were just ordinary people who did profound things. And so, so that's what we all have to focus on. And I would say, you know, nowadays there's a lot to be, to feel pretty powerless and pretty depressed about the state of the world. We got a pandemic, <laughs> rolling blackouts, whatever. And, and really my, my advice is the best way to get hopeful about the future is to get active. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so many tools and that may mean um, really, you know, just looking at ways to make your own house more efficient or reduce your costs for transportation. It could also mean, and I've known lots of people who just did a wholesale career switch mid, in the middle of their career. And it's like, I'm done with being a software entrepreneur. I want to do something that makes a difference. And so whatever that is, I just encourage all of your listeners to, to become active you don't have to have any experience. When I decided to jettison my high-tech career and get in clean energy, I didn't even know the difference between a kilowatt and a megawatt, <laughs> truly. No experience required, just passion and a desire to make a difference. It's true. I mean, you know, one, um, one thing I always kind of need to be reminded of is there's, you know, billions of people on this planet, and this is something that affects every single person, you know? And uh, if all of us do a little bit of a, you know, our little part, it does add up really quickly. And um, there's, there's different things people can do. I mean, you know, we're in America, um, we're both business owners, so we're pretty fortunate, but uh, most of the world lives on, you know, a couple of dollars a day. And um, what's, what I think is really sort of great about this is whether you're, you know, a billionaire or whether you live, you know, in the slums or somewhere in between, there's, different levels of things that people can do to get involved. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of different things that you can do that cost you zero money, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there's other things, you know, buying an electric vehicle or putting in solar, you know, there's, there's sort of these different steps and people think, Oh, it costs a lot of money to do this, but really, you know, there's different things. I mean, even voting, you know, voting is something that um, doesn't cost us any money and has a huge impact on, you know, the way we live. So it is, I love the optimism. Um, I'm eternally optimistic myself. I think <laughs> as entrepreneurs, you kind of have to be, and you know, you you see a problem, but you look for the solutions. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been very kind of inspiring to talk with you. I appreciate you know the quick sort of educational pieces you helped us with. Um, Janice, first off, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy. This took a lot to coordinate, so I appreciate it. And um, what's kind of one last sort of piece of advice that you could give to the average person to just start living and, you know, going in that more clean, environmentally friendly, uh, sustainable direction in their life? Vote. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone can make a difference. Leadership matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that's that's my thought for the day, especially since we are at October sixteenth. <laughs> Very close. I just um, I just submitted my vote the other day, and 
it was a great feeling. I'm not going to lie. It felt really good to, uh, felt like, a, regardless of who you vote for, you know, we won't dive too deep into that, but get out there and vote and, you know, make your voice heard. Um, Janice, thank you so much. Um, where can people go to, you know, follow you and support Stratagen and support your, your journey? Yeah, thank you. So our website is very easy. It's just stratagen.com. And it stands for Strategies for the Seventh Generation. The idea, it's a uh, Native American saying that you have to plan not for the next generation, but for seven generations down the line. Um, I encourage folks who are interested to check out the websites of our nonprofits. So the California Energy Storage Alliance, which is storagealliance.org, the Vehicle Grid Integration Council, vgicouncil.com.org, and uh, uh, the last one is the Green Hydrogen Coalition, which is ghcoalition.org. We have a lot of free materials on all of these websites if you want to learn more. Um, I, you know, in addition to voting, uh, really, I'd say the next thing is to become educated. Mm -hmm. Understand what the options are as a consumer, what the options are out there for industry, the state of the play, um, and, and just get involved. Yeah, I mean. Oh, and one last thing. Um, yeah. If you're really interested in hydrogen, we have a fall event mm -hmm. coming. We had a webinar yesterday called The Western Case for Green Hydrogen, which explains in great detail the role of green hydrogen, renewable energy, and how green hydrogen can help achieve regional grid reliability. Uh, that was uh, yesterday. And on November 17th and 18th, we have our annual event. It's virtual. And we're co-hosting this year's event with the National Association of State Energy Officials and the Western Interstate Energy Board. So please join us. Very cool. Um, I'll, I'll link all those, all those links and everything in the show. And um, for those listening and watching, we're going to write an article about Janice and about Stratagen, and we'll link all of those in there. So if you want to find these links, just go to goinggreenshow.com, um, find the article, and we'll, we'll link everything there. Janice, thank you again. I feel like we could talk all day. I want to be mindful <laughs> of your time. We'll have to have you on again because I just want to keep picking your brain and you know getting more information out of you. Um, and to everyone who tuned in and watched, as always, we appreciate it so much. Um, our goal is to just you know bring you the leading scientists and CEOs and experts in the clean tech sustainable space and you know learn from them and apply some of that information to our everyday lives. So as always, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of Going Green. Mm -hmm.